Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. They were living in war zone. Children were living in war zone. They were exposed to violence, to war, to bombing, to killing. That actually impact them psychologically. They told me actually, they told me I need psychological therapy. I need counselors to speak for my mental health. I need somebody to speak. So definitely the assessment is made. And we do not use a legal, we do not use hard approach, but we use soft approach that is rehabilitation. Salam, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another interesting episode of She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, joining you from Manila. And I'm here with my co-host from Kedah. Hi, everybody. Assalamualaikum, Amina. And salamat, Idol Fitri. Happy Hari Raya. This is Ayesa. And yes, Amina mentioned that I'm here based in Kada, Malaysia. Specifically, I'm at Al-Bukhari International University. So how's Hari Raya, Amina? Oh, yes. Uh, that was a couple of months ago by the time we air. But oh, okay. I'm still feeling the after effects of, uh, of Eid. And really, really missing what's... You know, the way we celebrated it when the, you and I were growing up in uh, in our communities in Mindanao. So I really, really do miss the Eid celebrations in our countries, Ayesa. It expresses our being Malay, right? Like, remember, the way we used to greet each other was, Salamat Hari Raya Puasa. And now we are now very Arabic and we say Eid Mubarak. I didn't know those words when I was growing up. So there's this oh, thing okay. about, about be, our being Malay, whether you're a Muslim in Singapore or Mindanao or uh, Indonesia or Malaysia. And do you remember our guest from five months ago, Dina Saman? 
Yes. And she was discussing her article, Understanding Malayness, where she discussed the rise of Islamist political thought influencing Malaysian politics. And she was saying that Malaysia is now at the crossroads. 50 years of Islamization of government and education has created you know, support for you know, Islamic political activism. And I mean, I've, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, in mm-hmm. where I come from, in Sabah and in Kedah and in Penang, yeah. People here are still very traditional. Yeah, they greet, they give you eat greetings in Bahasa Malaysia and together with the normal aminta maaf zahir dan batin, meaning that please forgive me if I have done something wrong, if are the or if there are things that I did not know that have hurt you. So we're kind of still traditional in many parts of Malaysia. Yeah, and I guess for our audience. Here in Malaysia, although the Idel Fitter just finished like three weeks ago, until this week, and I think until the next month, we are still celebrating it, in fact. So exactly. it's just this week that we are doing the Raya uh, parties in the workplace, like here in the university. And in the coming weeks, we will be doing more Raya parties among social, uh, social groups, uh, friends, because traditionally here in Malaysia, the first week of Raya is really spent with family. And only on the second week, third week, and the succeeding weeks that we spend it with other social groups. So Hari Raya is really a big thing for uh, many Malaysians. So it is also in, um, in, in, in the Philippines. I mean, the diaspora has really expanded. You now have so many uh, Muslims, Bangsamoro, from Muslim Mindanao, who have chosen to live outside. So there is no city or town in the Philippines that does not have a small Muslim community, which in some ways are really good because the majority gets to know us. But in some ways, it can be bad because the majority still doesn't know us. And if we're talking about uniting the nation for peace, we need to be able to reach out and get to know each other. I think this kind of getting to know each other is really essential if we're talking about how do you counter radicalization? How do we make sure that our families have some immunity to radicalization? Which brings me to your dear friend, Ayesa who seems to have done a lot of work on how do you counter radicalization and what do you do when families are infected. We will be joining today uh, an academic and who is well-experienced in conducting research and conducting practice on how to uh, go about and resolving and helping some people who have gone to extremist ideas. So his name is Dr. Ahmad Muhammadi. I've known him many years ago. We were together in, in a conference, uh, in a roundtable discussion about security issues in Malaysia. And it was the first time I met him. Actually, I also do not understand anything about radicalization. I have to admit that. So I was really listening to him and how he goes about his work. As an academic, uh, Dr. Ahmad, 
Muhammadi is an assistant professor at the International Institute of Islamic Thought and Civilization. This is at the Islamic uh, International Islamic University of Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur. And then he is also an associate fellow of this International Center for Counterterrorism. And then since 2011, he has been working closely with the Counterterrorism Division of the Royal Malaysian Police and the Prison Department to implement rehabilitation and de-radicalization programs for individuals detained under terrorism law. So I'm sure we can listen to a lot of his stories since he deals with this individuals, you know, on a face-to-face basis. He is also a member of the Malaysian Ministry of Home Affairs de-radicalization panel. He has now been involved in a program called Women as Peace Agents in Malaysia, where women are empowered to become uh, contributors to peacemaking and peace building instead of them being uh, part of the radicalization, I assume. So, Dr. Ahmad Al-Muhammadi, welcome to She Talks Peace. Thank you very much for inviting me uh, to this uh, program. Uh, Yes, I'll take the first question because I'm so excited. Why, Dr. Ahmad, did you choose to uh, focus on women? As, as peace agents? Why not men as peace agents? A short answer to that question is that because I was inspired with your work. <laughs> I think that you started... No, I, honestly, there are two reasons at least. Number one, we do have women involved in radicalization. We do have women who were recruited, young women who were recruited. And also we have recruiters among women. And that is the first thing. And the second thing is, I remember a couple of years ago, Dr. Amina Rasul was talking about the role of women, gender mainstreaming, and a woman as a peace builder. And I was really inspired with that. And I, I think that it is really, really in line with what I see here in Malaysia. And I think that we have to do something about this um, certain thing that men cannot do. And we need women because they are complementing what we do. And we need to rope in them into this work. And that's how it's actually inspired me to uh, organize uh, this program. And Alhamdulillah, we started doing it for two years already. And uh, we are going to finalize it this year. I think the end of this year, we're going to finish it. And I think we've done very well. Wow, yes. Uh, Dr. Ahmad should actually be part of the ASEAN Women's Group, the Women for Peace Registry. They should actually have honorary women also in, in offer, don't you think? You know, I mean, I had the chance to join uh, Dr. Ahmad's program in Kota Kinabalu. I think that was sometime last year, Dr. Ahmad, is it? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, they invited me also in, in that um, workshop, it was like a seminar workshop. And uh, the participants in that workshop were young people, actually, both men and women. So it was really nice to, to meet these young men and women. And the way that the program ran or was operated, no, there was also a good, um, like, open forum, no, or a discussion among the participants themselves about what uh, they think about the, the issues and what are their problems in their community. So it was really a good way to learn about what young people, what young Malaysians think about this uh, issue about radicalization. So I think, yeah, Dr. Ahmad's program is really something that should be duplicated in many parts of the world. You know, just get the young people on board to discuss this very sensitive and difficult topic. Dr. Ahmad, 
Can you tell us a little bit about the findings or the interesting things that you learned along the way in your program? Yeah. So as I said earlier, we do have women's involvement in this radicalization, especially after ISIS came to prominence. Then we can see that more young women traveling to that part of the world. From Malaysia, we have a number of women being recruited and they also become recruiter for ISIS course. So I was thinking like, how can we prevent this? Because we cannot allow this thing to happen. Uh, so I was thinking like, we need to, number one, to raise an awareness about the women's involvement in this problem. Women involvement, first of all, because we do have the cases like this. And some women, they're not aware of the existence of this problem. So first, I say that we need to raise an awareness and to sensitize them to the issue of women's vulnerability to recruitment. And number two, we also try to educate them about if they have cases like this in their community, what should they do and what step that they have to take, whether they have to speak to the authorities, whether they themselves can play the role. And we also give them an understanding about the legal framework that we have. We call the police to speak. We call the prison to speak. And we have interaction there. So maybe, you know, I noticed that among the finding when you talk about that, there are people who do not know about this. There are women who do not aware of this. They say that, wow, this is something new and uh, this is mind-blowing. Say that, unbelievable, we have a peaceful countries, but we still have people like this. And it really opens their mind and opens their eyes. And now they're aware of the existence of the problem, possible or potential uh, recruitment that is going to happen among women. And they also know about if we have similar cases like this, what should we do? So I think this is the essence of the programs. And we finally find out that they're getting more interested because they do not have a chance before to speak about this issue openly. Because whenever we talk about conflict, because one of them is uh, Dr. Aisha, I remember speak in Sabah, in Kota Kinabalu. She was sharing with us about the conflict that is going to happen in our society and uh, several issues involved with it. And then the concept of peace. You know, sometimes people talk about peace is when they talk about the absence of war. Yeah, that is one aspect of it. But there is another thing that is a positive peace. After you're getting, I mean, you, you stop the war, then what are you going to do with it? So most importantly, st stopping the war is also is important, definitely. But what you are going to do with whenever you have peace? How can you empower, develop potential? Uh, young people, especially women, who always left behind, especially in the traditional society, they always think women cannot play a certain role. But, you know, if we look at in our tradition, in our religion, in our history, in our local history, we do have a lot of women's participation in building nation. So positive peace, I would say, is it's basically about building a nation with participation of women. So collaboration or the, we call this as this complementarity, complementing each other without sidelining women in society is very important. And those people who argue against this is, I think that they do not have a complete grasp of our history, of our traditional, of our heritage. I actually asked my student to write about woman contribution in civilization, human civilization. So they wrote assignment. They tried to identify scientists, medical practitioners, and then a lot of uh, what they call uh, women who contributed to human civilization. And there are many of them, historically speaking. So I think this the idea that my intention is to implant in the younger generation because I don't think that we can change generation drastically. 
But at least we spark, we spark the interest, we spark the understanding, and I think they can take the idea by themselves further. I think that's the uh, brief uh, thing that I can share with you at this point. Yeah. Which brings me to a question that I had asked you earlier. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we started our interview, that uh, ASEAN has approved and launched its regional plan of action on women, peace, and security. Uh, Malaysia is now formulating its national action plan on women, peace, and security. And I expect that uh, the national action plan will also focus on women who have become ensnared in terrorism. And to this end, I wanted to ask you about this really interesting and insightful brief that you prepared for, I think, for ICCT about managing the returning foreign terrorist fighters and their families, looking at the Malaysian experience. Isn't the Malaysian government worried about the families and the women coming back and uh, being repatriated and bringing with them extremist thoughts? What's the strategy to make sure that when the families are repatriated and it looks like your government really does want to bring home the women and their children, what's the strategy to make sure that the women and their children become part of your peace agency. They become peace builders and they turn away from the extremism that brought them to Syria in the first place. First of all, I remember in the beginning, Malaysian government do not want to take them back. But considering several factors, at least four or five factors, especially on the basis of humanitarian reason and then from the legal perspective, they are still our citizen. And then from the security point of view, if we keep them there and they would be uh, traveling uh, to another country and then uh, if we do not allow them, maybe they will come back illegally. I think this is, I mean, keeping them there is going to create more problem, not only in the present, but also in the long run. So we are talking about long strategy. Finally, Malaysian government decided to repatriate them. So we did actually, we bring them back home, women, children and men as well. So there are several strategies that what I have observed that the Malaysian government did. For men who actually, by leaving country to join groups such as ISIS, is already a violation of national laws. But there are exceptions to be made, especially for women who were forced, who were following husband without knowing that they will finally end up in there. So we make an exception for the children. So whenever we bring them back here for men, 
usually they're going to be detained under terrorism law and they would be imprisoned usually not less than five years, maybe more. And we have cases that where they were being imprisoned for 18 years, for 12 years and so on. And rehabilitation is conducted in the prison in order to change their mindset about being violent prone to peace prone or to re-educate them on the correct Islamic uh, way of thinking. For the women and children, we bring back here to Malaysia and then the assessment is made by psychologists, by academics, by security experts. To assess, number one, is their state of psychology, their emotion, because they were living in war zone. Children were living in war zone. They were exposed to violence, to war, to bombing, to killing. That actually impacted them psychologically. They told me, actually, they told me I need psychological threat. I need counselors to speak for my mental health. I need somebody to speak. So definitely the assessment is made. And we do not use a legal, uh, we do not use hard approach, but we use soft approach, that is rehabilitation. Rehabilitation is whenever they arrive, we place them in secure facilities and rehabilitation assessment is made. And after a few months, after the series of rehabilitation, we will reintegrate them back into the society and we continue monitoring them and then uh, engage with them from time to time. As for the children also, the assessment is made and also the monitoring and then the assistance is given from time to time in order to ensure that they will not pose a threat to community because community is worried. Community is worried. Community say that, why you, you, you bring them back here? Because, because you, they are living in a very, uh, a very mm. hostile, violent environment. Right. Right. Uh, so the society is worried, but reassure the society that they are no longer a threat, but don't worry, the monitoring is also done on them. So for the past many years, I mean, since the first repatriation has been done, we do not have the, what they call recidivism cases among the returnees. And at the same time, we also actually try to help them in any ways possible, financial, psychological, uh, trying to get them back into the society, back to their families, so that uh, they will be part of our community and contributed to the society meaningfully. I think finally, this is the whole idea of bring them back. And if possible, I mean, this is my plan. We can actually use them as the speakers, as the spokesperson among women. Definitely, they're not going to talk to the, the, the large crowd. But if it is mm -hmm. in a small crowd, they are willing to share. That is the tendency. So I went to their houses. I went to one of the person who returned back, talked to them, talked to her, tried to understand how their life were. Uh, I mean, the situation right now, how we can help them. And they were willing to talk. They are willing to talk and they are actually uh, willing to share. And I'm very happy with it. And I really hope that she will contribute meaningfully to our society and country. I remember, Dr. Ahmad, you invited somebody, uh, you know, one of those guests in that Kota Kinabalu seminar workshop, right? Somebody yeah, who has had yeah. that experience as an extremist. Yeah. So it yes. was really an eye-opener, especially for younger people, to hear it from somebody who has been to that kind of mentality. You know, It's really different if the audience you know, have that kind of um, a discussion. Uh, so but the, the one that you invited in Kota Kinabalu was a male. Yeah, but were male. there opportunities also that you got to invite a female uh, extremist or uh, in the other seminar workshops? I, yes, I really hope so. You know, this is what I feel. Somebody make mistake in their life. We all make mistake. But in this particular case, 
this individual, male or female, well, let's say talk about female, they make mistake and she want to change and we need to facilitate that change. Maybe people would say, you know, this is not going to be, this is not going to be effective. This is, uh, is not going to work. I mean, I listen to all this criticism, but me as a person, as an educator, as an academic, I believe that, you know, let them, those people who believe that this is not going to work. Me as an educator, I believe that people change over time and we need to facilitate that change. And we need to work with them, to work together with them, to walk them through the process of change. They may try to go through, you know, up and down uh, process in their life, but we need to be there. We need to be there, facilitate the change. And we look at them not as terrorists. We look at them as human who is able to change. I think somebody needs to do this job. I, I read the news that Indonesia and all women terrorist group that was accused of plotting to assassinate a government minister uh, has been judged guilty and they've been thrown to jail. And then I remember that uh, the, the Marawi siege, the financier of the Maute uh, brothers who led the siege was their mother. And then a couple of years ago, suicide bomber, women, Muslim women, uh, suicide bombing in my home uh, hometown. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks, Lou. And uh, I'm just just wondering, um, Dr. Ahmed, when your government because now you're working on your National Action Plan for Women, Peace, and Security. When you're looking at the radicalizing uh, such women, it must be very difficult because we really don't have the facility to address these issues of radicalized women. Our strategies, our government strategies, are more for the radicalized men. You know, you put them in jail. But with women, it's different. So so how are you going to be, or, or what is the Malaysian government going to really put together to, to address these women who have been recruited and who are now terrorists themselves? This is very, very interesting question, I would say. Among the things that I observe is taking place in Malaysia these days, yes, um, we have approaches to deal with violent extremism and radicalization. And Malaysia's approach to it is quite state-centric, I would say. It is quite centric, it's security-centric approaches. Meaning that they use legal approach, they detain, they investigate, they prosecute people. And this is focusing on men, because we have a lot of men involved in this case. But for the past uh, two, three years ago, there is a change in the counter-terrorism division of Royal Malaysia Police. Before, the chief of the counterterrorism was man, Dr. Ayub, and he was very effective in his job. He was neutralizing terrorism threats since uh, early 90s 
up to I think 2017, 2018, and it's very very successful uh, police officer. But after that, after his retirement, I don't remember when. It is somewhere around 2017, 18 like that. There's a change in the counterterrorism. The current chief of counterterrorism is female officer, police officer. The DCP Normaha is hot. And when she took over, I predicted, I said that I believe that there would be a change of approaches in dealing with, with the issue. And true enough, soon after she assumed the office, there is some changes of the approaches. One of them is the re-emphasis of prevention. So before, whenever we have terrorism cases like that, there would be a monitoring and finally, whenever they have enough evidence, they would charge the, arrest the person, charge the person. But the current practice is they can monitor, continuing monitor, but she will approach. She will approach the person and then educate them. I mean, finally, it's a prevention. And she emphasized more on rehabilitation. I think this is very wonderful thing, especially for those people in the early stage of radicalization. Putting them in jail for a very long period of time is going to generate grievances, is going to generate actually more problem than solution. So now we can see that is one thing that we, we change in terms of the women inclusion in CVE works. Second point is, for the past many years, we never have women rehabilitation panel or members in the rehabilitation team. Right now, we have female rehabilitation. They're well-trained. She was well-trained, given a proper uh, training, and then an opportunity to speak to the female detainee, and then uh, given the facilities, working together with the police, working together with psychologists. This is another approach. And the third thing is uh, in terms of providing facilities with the state support. I think this is also taking place. The Ministry of Home Affairs, for example, even though maybe the, we need more support from them, but the initiative has uh, started and the support is given properly. And I think this is a very, very good uh, development. And uh, continuous consultation, I think, Sometimes people want to change, but they do not know how. So by engaging with them continuously, we provide them an inspiration to change. I think part of my work to be here, for example, maybe to continue talk to the people so that they understand another point of view. And uh, finally, we can contribute meaningfully to the change, positive change, because change is not necessarily positive, right? So we need to provide them an idea how to move toward the right direction. That's really good news, Dr. Ahmad, you know, sharing with us that uh, because of this police officer, what's her name? Uh, DCP Norma? Yeah, DCP Norma is higher. Uh -uh. So the, because of her, you know, there are a lot of changes now on how this program on de-radicalization is being done in Malaysia. And maybe because of all the experience uh, here in Malaysia when it comes to de-radicalization, Maybe you can give some advice, you know, as part of our concluding remarks for this program. Uh, if there are any advice or key messages that you'd like to share so that maybe other countries like Philippines and uh, other our, our ASEAN neighbors can also reconsider in, and uh, can follow some of the strategies that are being done in Malaysia. Please, Dr. Ahmad. Yes, thank you. First of all, I would like to congratulate and thanks Dr. Amina Rasul and also the team at the Center of Islam and Democracy in the Philippines and also your team in there for inspiring me and maybe other people in the region to this work. 
I must say this, I must place on record my appreciation to what you have done. Maybe it quite, um, I mean, it is outside Malaysia, but I draw inspiration from that. And I try to do my best. That's number one. Number two, for those people in other countries, women inclusion in policy making and also in peace building need the support from men. So I would like to implore all men who are out there from other countries to support these uh, changes. And we need to include, we need to work together. We need to work together. Men and women, just like in the family, we work together. We are complementing each other. Same goes in nation building. We work together and I think we can create a more a peaceful environment. We can uh, facilitate uh, growth, positive growth. And we can finally achieve happiness, not only for our generation, but for our children too. If uh, both men and women working together on this peace building, nation building, family building and so on. I think it started perhaps with the family building and it, it spilled over to the community building and nation building finally. So you can see that the role of women is extremely important. And number three, I would say there must be continuity. Sometimes people do things for a while, they stop uh, because of the, you know, maybe they lost uh, uh, motivation and so on. But in making change, there must be continuity. Maybe a small incremental change works, initiative but it must be a consistent one. I think that uh, you started this podcast many, uh, several years ago, maybe with a small nudge, small efforts, but now is you see the members. So uh, this is the, the, the podcast idea by itself. It started in the Philippines. It's a kind of inspiring work that it can be duplicated by other countries. I think uh, that is my uh, last remark to you. Thank you for your support for my work in Malaysia and I look forward again to work with you in another programs and also in the project in future, inshallah. Well said, Dr. Ahmad. Thank you so much. Yeah, the same with you, Dr. Ahmad. Yeah, uh, Amina has also been my mentor. <laughs> you know, when I was still younger, okay. <laughs> Amina will not like it. <laughs> but yeah, she... <clears throat> She was really my mentor as well, you know, back in the Philippines. So, Dr. Ahmad, I'm looking forward to also working with you and to welcome you here at Al-Bukhari International University next time. Inshallah. Thank you so much, Dr. Ahmad. And uh, looking forward to continue our collaboration on peace and security. And I'm really so happy to hear you talk about not to be frustrated that something happens immediately, that we really should look at step by step, slow by slow, incremental positive change. At the end of the day, when you talk about peace building, ISI and I know very well, ISI having participated in helping in the peace process with the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, that nothing comes overnight. It's slow by slow, step by step, and we're so lucky, Ayesa, that we have got uh, important male role models and leaders like uh, Dr. Ahmad Muhammadi, who share with us the objective of making sure our communities do have peace and security for our children, for our families, and our friends. So thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Ahmad for joining us. And dear listeners, thank you for joining Ayesa and me on this uh, enlightening episode with Dr. Ahmad Muhammadi. We hope that you're going to join us again next week. 
for another episode of She Talks Peace. So, Ayesa, shall we say goodbye to our listeners? Before we say goodbye, Amina, we'd also like to invite our friends out there, you know, that you can actually send us an email at shetalkspeace at gmail.com if they would like to give us any suggestions or comments or feedback. So we will welcome all of their thoughts. So again, from here in Kada, Malaysia, goodbye, everybody. And from Manila, goodbye. salam and goodbye. See you next week. Goodbye. Thank Goodbye. you, Dr. Ahmad. Selamat Hari Raya. You're welcome. Selamat Hari Raya to you both. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.